0: We're continuing in our series, The Hall of Faith. Uh, it's about Hebrews chapter 11. We've talked a lot about a lot of different people. Um, and we won't go through all of those, but you can get online and get caught up if you haven't, haven't heard those. We've talked about Abraham and Sarah, Noah, Enoch, Abel. Uh, last week we talked about um, <clears throat> Isaac. We talked about Jacob. And we talked about how they blessed their family and they blessed their children. And we talked about being a blessing Uh, to others and hopefully you had opportunities this week to do that and um, and hopefully we'll continue to use that uh, that we talked about last week to make sure that we're always speaking words of life we're always being a blessing to people and uh, there's power in our words and we want to use them uh, to bring life Uh, because death is also in the power of the tongue Uh, but we want to use them to uh, bring life today we're going to talk about um joseph and before we do i want to hit our couple of scriptures that we use uh throughout this whole series and the first one is hebrews 11 verse 1 this is where it all starts faith is the confidence that what we hope for actually happened and it gives us assurance about things we can't see so this is the this is where our faith we, we talked about this before uh, the Greek word there in Hebrews one three talks about the person of Jesus. So what we're realizing, what we're remembering is, remember, it's not faith for something, it's faith in someone. That's what we're talking about. Our faith is in God. God does the work. All right. So we're all on the same page there. You've heard that enough that you, you got it right. Y'all got it. All right. Good. Uh, for those who don't, just just keep keep working on it. Um, and then Hebrews eleven uh, verse six. Talks about the importance of faith because here's the thing, you can't please God without it. That's what the Bible says, Hebrews eleven six. It is impossible to please God without faith. So you know, if if you if you think, well, yeah, but you know, He knows my heart. He knows, I'm just telling you, without faith, it's impossible to please God, because every journey that God has you on is gonna require faith. You giving your life to Jesus, you're giving your life to God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, you are saved by grace, but through faith. It takes faith even to accept Jesus. Even to accept the Lord, as to come into your life and be part of your life, that takes faith. Now, the good thing is the Bible says that God has given each of us a measure of faith. So we, God gives us faith so we can use it to receive him. Isn't that pretty cool? I mean, God gives you everything you need. That's like saying, hey, I want to give you $5 to, to you know, to buy this or whatever. I'm giving you what you need to do what you need to do. That's how God did. He said, look, I'll give you faith. I'm giving you a measure of faith. And then because of my grace and through that faith, we get in relationship and we connect. So we have to be able to walk in faith. Now, we talked about this uh, with several of them, not with all the time, but I do want to remind you, don't be so quick to try to um, minimize the level of faith. Because what happens, we get in situations sometimes and we get in circumstances where God is asking us to do something and, and it's, a, it's a faith step. And sometimes before we move, we want to know more details. And what we're doing is we're asking God to give us more and give us more. Eventually, we're waiting until we don't have to use faith. And that's not, that's not God's plan. God's plan is going to require faith. So if there's something that he wants you to do, And you're waiting for everything to fall in line and everything to to measure up so you know, okay, now everything's in place. So, yeah, it's easy to do now. But that's not faith. Faith means, okay, when everything else looks different, but God says do it, then I just need to do it. When God told Patty and I to leave our jobs, he had something for us and we didn't know what. That required faith. Faith. If I waited until I knew what job and I knew when and I knew how and I knew what the, what the finances would look like and how he would provide for us, if I knew all that, it wouldn't have required faith. It required faith to trust God, that God would be faithful. And that's where our faith comes in to know that God will be faithful. So the way you walk in faith, the way your faith is built by hearing the word, because when you hear the word, you're hearing about God's goodness and his faithfulness and how he's going to continue to meet every need that you have. And then it's easier to step out. Like, you know, the more I I realize how good God is, yeah, I think I'll trust him. And so we got to make sure that we understand how important faith is. So in Hebrews 11, all through this word, uh, in chapter 11, all through this chapter, it's people, men and women, who exercise faith. And, and they're, they're noted right here, like it was by faith that this happened. And remember, what helps us is to realize these are humans. These were normal people that messed up too. We talked about Sarah. Sarah laughed like, okay, yeah, right, I'm going to have a kid. Yeah, right. She laughed, didn't believe it. But later on, she got to the point where she did. God kept confirming to her, no, I've told you you're going to have a baby. I'm telling you, don't try this other way. You. And he confirms in her over and over until she finally gets it. And then all of a sudden she has a baby. And then she laughs. But now she's not laughing out of discouragement. She's laughing out of like, man, he did it. So even in her points of doubt early on, she's still here in Hebrews 11 as a woman of faith. So when you miss the mark, don't, don't get down. Don't get down and feel like, oh, it's over. You know, God can't use me. That's not true. The Bible's full of people who missed the mark. But they kept going. They got back up, and God was faithful. So that's what we talked about. So we're going to talk about Joseph today. And um, just to give you a heads up, if we don't get through all the notes, you'll be fine. But I'm going to read the story of Joseph um, because I want you to really, I really want you to, to see this. All right. So if you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 37, and I'm going to skip around a little bit, but I'm going to read you a lot of this, this story. So if you got your Bibles, you can just follow along with me. It will be up on the screen as well. <clears throat> Starting in verse 1, Jacob settled again, Jacob we talked about last week, he was the father of of Joseph. So we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now we're down to Joseph. Okay, So we're still in the lineage of Abraham and remember the promise to Abraham. God had a promise to Abraham about all the descendants he would have and that they would be blessed and, and there was a lot of things that we'll get to that in a minute. But here's, here it is. Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Let's start. Okay, what is Joseph right here? Tattletale. Tattletale. How many had a brother like that? I did. I hope you're listening, brother. I had a tattletale brother. Um, but I was also a tattletale brother. So so here's Joseph starting out 17 years old, and anytime time his brothers does something bad, he runs to his dad. So let me tell you up front, you think his brothers really like Joseph? Okay, you think not. Let's watch. Uh, Jacob loved, now Jacob, the, the father, loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. Okay, so now we're finding that jo- Joseph, it's the favorite, right? So he's—it's not looking good for Joseph, in the sense of how his brothers feel about him. Um, so one day, Joseph had a special gift made. Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph—a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them, and and they couldn't say a kind word to him. So here's Joseph's life. So getting, this is where we start picking up on Joseph's life. He's seventeen. He's, he's telling on his brothers, so his brothers are a little frustrated, and his dad is like, this is my favorite. I'm going to look at this robe I got for you, beautiful colors. I mean, you just, oh, you're going to love it. And his brothers are like, um, did you only make one robe? Right? So they're feeling this, and, uh, and, and so now because he's a favorite and probably because he's tattletales, they, they don't like him. So one night, Joseph had a dream. And he told his brothers about it, and they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream. He said, we were out in the field trying up, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles are gathered around and bowed low before mine. I'm telling you, Joseph, you might not need to tell everybody these dreams. You're getting them more and more upset with you. His brothers responded, oh, so you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more. Listen, they don't like him. Then they hate him. Now they hate him all the more. I don't know what that means, but all the more than they hated him before. I don't know how much more hate you can keep adding to hate, but evidently they added to it. So soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I had another dream. (laughs) Joseph, what's up? He said, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well and and as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come uh, and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream was about. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to the pasture pasture of their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had gone there for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are passing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for, he asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where where they are passing the sheep. Yes, the man told him they have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. All right, now we got some sibling rivalry that's getting a little out of hand. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then, they will see, well, then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return, return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balsam, and aromic resin from Gilead to, to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's see Let's sell him to the Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. So the brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were the Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And And the traders took him to Egypt. Some while later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. And when he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore the clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, The boy is gone. What will I do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat, dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? The father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son he would say and then he would weep meanwhile the midianite traders arrived in egypt and there were they sold joseph to potiphar an officer of pharaoh the king of egypt potiphar was captain of the palace guard all right so so far here's where we're at joseph is not very loved by his brothers his father loves him his father has treated him as a favorite he has this dream okay this dream we find out later this dream was Fulfilled. This dream was from the Lord. He had this dream that one day his brothers and even his father that they would they would they would recognize him, that they would bow before him in a place of authority, in a place of ruler. And so he had this dream. So imagine being Joseph and you have this dream, and the next thing you know, your brothers throw you in this cistern and then they sell you. And you're thinking, All right, wait a minute. I had a dream they were going to bow to me. Now I'm in this pit. Doesn't, okay. I, just, I had two of them. So I'm, I'm kind of sure that this is right because, you know, I had that second confirmation dream feeling like, okay, this, this has got to be it. But he finds himself in a place where it's not happening. What God said is not happening. Now go to, go to chapter 39. When Joseph was taken to Egypt, by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Listen to verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, Joseph isn't in that place that he wants to get to. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about the promise, the process, and the provision, and how sometimes we know what God's saying, but we haven't seen it happen yet. We're in this process in the middle. That's where Joseph is. He's, he's not even anywhere close to seeing this promise fulfilled that God said and now even in this difficult season of being traded and sold and and mistreated what's he doing the Lord's still with him and so this is part of Joseph's journey as he's walking through difficulty that doesn't line up with what the word was for him somehow he's still recognizing and understanding the Lord is with him so it says this, the Lord is with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Here's another thing I want to tell you, and then we're going to keep going through this. When you're believing God for something and you don't see it manifest, God can still use you to be successful where you are. Joseph didn't wait to have any kind of favor or blessing or success in his life. He didn't wait until he was at that place. Even in the worst of places, God was still using you, and we have to let God use us even when we're even when we 're struggling, even when life isn't good for us, even when things don't make sense to us, God still wants to use us because let me tell you something if you 're in your worst place today i'm just going to tell you God is still there he 's still with you, so we want to we want to remember that God is with us so let me just uh for time's sake i'm going to walk you through a little bit what the rest of this chapter is so he's He's with, he's, Potiphar is, you know, one of the captains of the armies of, of Pharaoh, so he's, he's got a decent rank in his own position. And so Joseph is with him, and, and Potiphar is seeing Joseph succeed. Potiphar is seeing that. Potiphar is, is, is glad about Joseph being there. But then comes this problem with Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife begins to see Joseph's success and begins to think, hmm, He's a handsome little booger. She begins to she begins to look at him like, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, Joseph, what's up?" All of a sudden, now she's trying to connect. She's trying to move in on Joseph. And and Joseph is just trying to do what he's supposed to do. Stay focused. But then this one day, Potiphar comes up and grabs Joseph. And she wants to have a relationship with him. He grabs Joseph. And Joseph knows what she's trying to do. So she grabs, just say she grabs like Joseph like by the jacket or cloak or whatever you want to call it. And Joseph just, you know, if someone's grabbing your jacket and you want to get away, you just shed it off like that and then you just keep running. Right? Anybody ever done that? Okay, just me. But it wasn't, it wasn't some lady. It was a police officer. Uh, I'm kidding. It's a joke. I'm kidding. Um, it's a joke. Yeah. Ah, sorry. But anyway, so basically what he does is he leaves his jacket and he takes off. Like he doesn't even stand there and try to say, okay, this is not a good idea. He doesn't stand there and try to realize that he knows, listen, I'm gone. I'm not even going to put myself in this situation. And he goes. And what happens is when he leaves, Potiphar's wife realizes, okay, this is, it's, it's you know, he, she doesn't want people to know what she did, so she turns the whole story. And she said, he, he came at me, and he was trying to get with me. And he, she paints this picture of Joseph. Next thing you know, Joseph is in prison. Joseph, a young boy. Young to the point where, yeah, maybe he wasn't the greatest thing to go share your dreams with people that are going to bow to you when they already don't like you. Maybe it's not the greatest wisdom, but he was young, and all of a sudden he goes to this place, and now he's got these dreams of what God has for his life, and he sees he has two two visions of this, and 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 next thing you know, his brothers they plan on killing him, and then they throw him in this pit, then they sell him, so now he's in a whole foreign place. He's not around any family. He's just. Alone, and then he sold again to Potiphar, and he's trying to just do what he's supposed to do there, and be faithful. And he was seeing success, and Potiphar was seeing the success. And then Potiphar's wife innocently accuses him of something that he didn't do, and now he's in prison, and he's sitting in prison for something that he did not do. And I guarantee he's in prison thinking, okay. Did I miss it? Did, did I miss it? I mean, I thought God said. Have you ever thought you missed it? Joseph was, I'm sure he was feeling that. So here's what happens. Pharaoh, his cupbearer and his baker, um, got, got, he got mad at him. Pharaoh got offended by him and he put him in prison. He threw them in prison, so they're in prison, and they're with Joseph. The captain of the guards put Joseph kind of in charge of them to look after them while they were in prison. So they're all in prison, and these, the cupbearer and the baker, they, they both have these dreams. And they start talking to Joseph, and Joseph said, listen, God's the only one that can interpret dreams. And God, and, and God had used Joseph, and, and God used Joseph to even interpret those. And the, and the, the uh, cupbearer said, said, okay, uh, this is in chapter 40. The cupbearer said, all right, here's, here's my dream. I saw this these vines of these grapes and stuff growing, and there were three of them, and, and he was explaining this vision, this, this dream that he had. And Joseph said to, to him, All right, here's what that means. This is what I feel like the Lord is saying. This is what this means. He interpreted the dream. In three days, you're gonna be restored to your position. He's like, Awesome. So then the baker's like, I had a dream. It's like, what was your dream? I had a dream that I had these fresh baked bread and stuff, and it was on my head, and I was, I was bringing it before the king, and these birds come down and eat it, and the birds are eating on it, and all this stuff. And, and Joseph says, oh, let me to tell you what your dream means. He's like, yeah. In three days, you're going to be impaled. You're going to die. Could you imagine? Like, whoa, whoa. How come he got a good dream? And you know what happened? In three days, the cupbearer was restored to his position, and the baker died. So he interprets these dreams. Here's what he said to the the cupbearer. He said, listen, because you're going to be restored to your position, would you please tell Pharaoh that I'm innocent, and I'm in here, and I didn't do anything? In other words, he's saying, look, I interpreted your dream. You know, maybe do me a little favor and speak up for me to the one in charge. And so he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. What happened? He gets back to his position, and he completely forgets about Joseph. So here we go again. Joseph, struggling, thrown in a pit. disowned from his brothers sold sold again innocently accused now he's in prison finally gets a glimpse of hope and the guy forgets about him difficult but then Pharaoh has a dream and then when Pharaoh has a dream all of a sudden the cupbearer was like, "Oh." Could you imagine? Oh shoot. I totally forgot. Hey, a couple years ago, there was a guy. I mean, could you imagine what how bad you would feel, but Joseph's just sitting there. He forgot. I knew he'd forget. He forgot. But anyway, so so Pharaoh calls Joseph. Joseph interprets his dream. Long story short, in chapter 41, I think it's in verse 40. It says that Joseph is now brought to the second highest in command, right under Pharaoh. When you finish out the story, and, and we'll finish it out. When you finish out the story, Joseph's brothers during the famine are coming because they they need food and they need help. And Joseph helps them and doesn't even reveal that he's Joseph to them right away. In other words, he's helping them. And I'm thinking, Joseph, man, these are the people that sold you. These people that started that whole journey you were on. But he's blessing them. And, and, and he took care of his brothers and he forgave them. And, and, and all the, 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 they come before him and they bow before him. Everything that that dream was about a long time ago. It happened. But there was 30 years, 40 years, 25, I don't know exactly. There's a lot of years between the dream and when it happened. It was a process of just trust, a process of waiting, a process of a lot of things. But it happened. So would you, would you agree that Joseph's journey from the pit to the prison to the palace was quite a journey? That I don't know if any of us could say we've been on something like that. But he was. Now let's look at some because I want us to learn a few things from this real quick. This is is some things we learn from Joseph. Don't give up even when it looks like it's impossible. And here's one reason why I want to tell you that. Because here's one thing about Joseph that I think we can learn. Is we have to focus on what's happening in us more than what's happening to us. We always want to look at our journey. We always want to look at our stuff like, oh, man, I'm going through this and I'm going through this. I got this going on. I got this. But I'm telling you, in, in all the difficult things you're doing, I'm telling you God's doing something. God's doing something in you. Even in things that may not be God's ultimate will for your life, he's still working in it. He can still work in it. In the difficulty, in the struggles, it's more important what he's doing in you than anything that's happening to you. And we'll get to that more when we finish. All right, so let's keep that in mind. Look at James 1, verse 2 through 5. Brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for joy. For you know when your faith is tested, you have a chance to grow. Your endurance has a chance to grow. And then it says this, let it grow. Let it grow. Let God work in you. When you see where your faith is and your faith is tested, those moments of difficulty, let your your faith grow. Instead of feeling like uh, because we're Christians, we're never going to go through anything, that is wrong. That's false. I wish I could tell you it's not, but I'm telling you. Being a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to go through anything. Your life is supposed to be run by faith. You can't please God without faith. There's going to be plenty of opportunities that you're going to have to trust God when you don't see things happening the way you want to see it. We're going to go through it. Life's not going to be easy. We're going to to face difficulty. But God promises that he'll be with us. Look at Romans 5, 3 and 4. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. Really? Who who does that? Who rejoices when you run into problems and trials? Hey, you know, man, I'm, I'm really, I hit a problem. Got a trial going on. Yes! Got a trial going on. Woo! Growing. And I'm not saying that it has to be that That You have to actually do that and say that. But I'm telling you, when you know that it helps you develop endurance and and it's revealing and testing your faith and it's leading you to a place that as your endurance grows, you, you develop and you get stronger. Listen, that's what working out does, right? If you want to get stronger, you're going to have to go through some uncomfortable stuff. I stopped working out. The weights were too heavy. I didn't like it. But if you want to work out and get healthier, you're going to have to do stuff that's uncomfortable. I'm on a journey personally trying to get healthier. And some of that journey is uncomfortable. But it's necessary. Because I'll never learn how to stand strong if I don't put myself in circumstances where I have to stand strong. Until I realize, okay, you've got to be able to, to walk this out. The only way you're going to walk it out is step out of the boat and walk. Do what God says. And when it's uncomfortable, do it. It's going to produce something. Look at Romans 8, 28 and 29. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good for those who love God. Everything, good or bad, tough or not, it doesn't matter. God can work everything out for you for good. Joseph went through a lot, but guess what? It all worked out. It all helped shape him and and it, it, it it did a lot of stuff for him. It did a lot, it, there was a lot of things that happened in Joseph's life that I think that happened in the pit. I think it happened in the prison. And I think it prepared him for the palace. I think there's stuff that we grow from. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that everything you go through, God's like, yeah, look what I did to you. But I'm saying when you're in those places, sometimes God is going to work in you. More than you, like I said, focus more on what he's doing in you than what, what's happening around you. That's, that's, God's going to do it. So when it looks impossible... Uh, but don't give up when others are against you. You know what? His brothers hated him. Hated him. He had no family support once they, once they sold him away. He had no family support. He didn't have people. And then the cupbearer, his, his one friend that says, I'm going to bat for you, buddy. Thanks for interpreting my dream. I'm going to live. I got you. I got you, Joe. And then he leaves, and he forgets. The person you're depending on, they let you down. Guess what? How many have experienced that in life? And don't raise your hand if they're sitting next to you, but how many have experienced someone who let you down? They said they were going to do something. They didn't do it. They didn't follow through. They did That happens. It happened to Joseph, but you can't give up when other people are against you. Because let me tell you one thing the Bible says. If God is for you, who can be against you? It doesn't matter. If God's for you, you're going to be all right. Mark chapter 6 Verse 1 through 6, I'll just tell you, but basically Jesus talking about it in his hometown. And here's what he says. He said, a prophet is without honor even in his hometown. Jesus was in his hometown, and he could do very little miracles because people were offended and they didn't believe. In his hometown. And then in 1 Samuel 16 and 17, and you can read those on yourself, on your own, but Samuel comes to anoint a king and tells Jesse to bring all of his sons up. Jesse brings his sons up. Samuel goes to the first one and says, this dude's tall, dark, handsome. It's got to be him. And, 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 and the Lord says, no, I don't look at outward appearance. I look at the heart. And he goes down all the line, and none of them, none of them. He didn't pick any of them. And he said, I know that the Lord said it was one of your sons. Do you have any other sons? He's like, oh, oh yeah, well, I mean, David. Imagine being David like, pick me, (laughs) me too, I'm a son. So David wasn't even brought in. He wasn't, I mean, it was almost like dad was like, stay there, it's not you. All right, the rest of y'all, come on. And I'm not saying that's exactly how it all happened, but that's, that's, Joseph could have been feel like, I just got rejected. So they bring David up and it was him. But his dad didn't necessarily see it. When he went to fight Goliath in chapter 17, he went, saw his brothers and he sees Goliath talking junk about God and about the people of God. And he says, you know what? Someone needs to stand up to him. And his brother says, listen, listen, little man, you need to head home, bro. We're, 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 we're in the army thing, but you need to head on. They didn't think he could do anything. They're sending him home. He's like, look, I'll, I'll take him. I'll fight him. And he goes, to, he goes to the king. He goes to Saul and says, listen, I will go out there. No one's going out there. I'll go. And Saul says, listen, man, he will destroy you. This is my paraphrase. You can read it yourself in chapter 17. But He's like, he'll, he'll, he'll destroy you. He's like, no, I got this. The same God that rescued me from the bear and the lion, he'll, he'll rescue me from them. He knew it. So then, so you have his brothers, his dad. The king, nobody who believes in David. But David says, Look, just let me go. And finally, Saul's like, Listen, I won't stop you, but at least take my armor. He's like, I'm not taking it. I don't want to do it your way. I just want to go. And he went. And big Goliath and little David, big Goliath, shield, helmet, sword, everything. And David, little man, slingshot. I could just hear it. Goliath's like, You send me this dog? No, it's David. I mean, I could just, could you imagine? I'm like, really? It's almost like helium boy and big, big giant. And David's like, I come at you in the name of the Lord. Wham! And takes him out, kills him, destroys him. Then goes with all of his might, picks his sword up, the Goliath sword, which is probably bigger than him, and cuts the Goliath's head off. Why? Because he didn't care what everybody else said because he knew what God said. So he went against the king and his brothers and his dad at that time that didn't believe he could do it and be king or or slay the Goliath. But he did. Right? And then even when it takes a long time, we got to keep believing. We can't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't get weary in doing the right thing. In due time, you'll reap a harvest. Uh, Romans 12, 12 says, It says rejoice in our confident hope. Then it says just be patient in trouble. Just just be patient. Hebrews 6.12 says that, that faith and patience inherit the promise. Right? It's faith and patience. Sometimes it doesn't happen as fast as we want it to happen. So we got a quick glimpse at Joseph's life. Was Joseph a man of faith or what? Did he walk through? Did he not give up? Absolutely. Now, let's look at the Hebrews 11, verse 22, which I had in your notes, I think, up higher. Um, Hebrews eleven twenty two. this is what it says. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. Now, the reason I read this scripture to you, because I want you to know, I just walked you through everything that Joseph is known for. 25% of Genesis is Joseph. And this is what he's known for. You know, at the end of Joseph's life, it wasn't about a position he held. It wasn't about all the great things he did. It wasn't about being faithful in the prison. Wasn't about, oh, he was so mistreated and but he still he still loved me. You know what he's known for at the end? Where he tells them he wants his bones. Why is that a big deal? Look at Genesis chapter 50. This is where it happens. He tells his family, soon I will die. Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you, and he'll lead you out of this land of Egypt. And listen to this. He will bring you back to the land that he solemnly promised to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, So they were promised, this promised land, right? This was a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This This was Joseph's family. And there was a promise for his family, for the family, for the seed of Abraham. There was this promise. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear on an oath. When God comes to help you and lead you back to the promised land, take my bones with you. In other words... It's more than just, you see, he wasn't associating himself with Egypt. And listen to me, he was second in command. And he didn't associate himself with that. He didn't associate himself with, oh, man, look what I've done. I just put me right here, buried me right in front of Pharaoh's, you know, big palace, just right here, man, so people know Joseph, he was, he was the man. No, you know what he said? I want to make sure that I'm always connected to the blessing that God blessed over my family and my, and my lineage. And, I, and I, want to fulfill, I want to be a part of seeing that fulfilled. And even when I'm not here and when I'm physically gone, I still want to be a part of it. Just put my bones there. In other words, I don't have to be there right now. But when it happens, just put my bones. I just want to be there. And so so many times in life, you know what we base all of our joy and stuff on? Right now. We base it all on where we are right now, what we can do right now. We don't think about the future. Guess what our promised land is, y'all? Guess what we're promised? Heaven. With God. With Jesus. With those who have gone before us. Forever and ever. And we get so caught up that we want all this. Our faith isn't just for what we're doing right here. Our faith isn't just for this little moment. Joseph was a great man of faith. Joseph kept the right attitude going through a lot of messed up stuff. But God, in, in this chapter, they're not honoring that about Joseph. It still is something to be honored. But what is what stands out in, this, in the word here? is that his faith was to stay connected to the promise of God. It wasn't about all that he did. And there's nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong. We're, I, am, I want us to be people that stand and believe God for his word. I want us to be people that stand and, and don't compromise the word of God. But I am telling you, we get so caught up in wanting to see everything in the here and now and right now and right now. And, and oh, I'm going through this and I'm going through this. But, but Joseph's faith... When it's all said and done, it didn't even dawn on him to stay connected to this life in Egypt. It didn't even dawn on him that that's where it all all ends for me, right here. He's like, no, there's going to be a better ending than just here. And even though here I'm ending as second in command, I'm ending as one of the top dogs of Egypt. But that's not where it ends. I want to end in that promised land that God promised my grandpa and my great-grandpa. That's what, that's what I want to make sure, that I stay in that promise, that I stay in that place of what God's calling me. It doesn't matter all the things I do here and now. When my life is over, I still want to somehow make sure I stay connected there. And for us, it just, man, it just gave me this great, this great reminder that, I, God, I just, I, just want to, I just want to live my life that eternity matters. And that I stay focused on the the promise you gave me that one day I'm going to be with you forever and ever. And if I go through stuff here and it's good and it's tough and I'm having my different moments, I'm not going to lose hope. I'm not going to miss out. I'm not going to get discouraged. No matter what happens here, it's not over. It's not over. There's something even greater than what I'm experiencing here. And it's when I connect to that place that God ultimately has for me. And that's what I think God is kind of helping us to see, even in Joseph's life. Exodus chapter 13, guess what? It says about Moses. He's heading, he's heading with the Israelites. He's going to the promised land, and what's he carrying? The bones of Joseph. You know how long between those two? About 400 years. We want it like that. 400 years from when he said it to when it happened. Years between Joseph got a dream and it happened. Between what you're believing for and when it happens. And we'll get through this as we finish out the chapter, but there were times some people went to heaven before it happened. But they're still listed as people of faith. Even when they didn't see it, they still believed. Amen? Amen. We want to be like that. Let's do not get so fo- focused on the here and now. Let's know, hey, I want to make sure that I stay lined up with the promise that God ultimately has for me as as a child of God. I'm going to walk my journey, and I'm going to be faithful. And you're going to see God's hand in your journey. You are. But don't lose hope just in this external world here. And when it's all said and done, don't let your value be on what's here. Joseph had none of his value was in the fact he was second in command. None of his value had anything to do with Egypt, all the journey he went through. Had to do with the fact that he's like, I want to stay lined up with the promise of God.